0: Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast, my name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about asthma and you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com asthma or in the respiratory section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Asthma is a chronic inflammatory airway disease leading to variable airway obstruction The smooth muscle in the airways is hypersensitive and responds to stimuli by constricting, causing airflow obstruction. This bronchoconstriction is reversible with bronchodilators, such as inhaled salbutamol. Asthma is one of several atopic conditions, which include eczema, hay fever and food allergies. Patients with one of these conditions are more likely to have the others and these conditions characteristically run in families. Asthma typically presents in childhood, however it can present at any age. Adult onset asthma refers to asthma presenting in adulthood. Occupational asthma refers to asthma caused by environmental triggers in the workplace. The severity of symptoms of asthma varies enormously between individuals. Acute asthma exacerbations involve rapidly worsening symptoms and can quickly become life threatening. Let's talk about the presentation. Symptoms of asthma are episodic, meaning there are periods where the symptoms are worse and periods where they're better. There is diurnal variability, meaning the symptoms fluctuate at different times of the day, typically worse at nighttime. Typical symptoms are shortness of breath. Chest tightness, a dry cough, and wheeze. Symptoms should improve with bronchodilators, for example, salbutamol. No response to bronchodilators reduces the likelihood of asthma. Patients may have a history of other atopic conditions, such as eczema, hay fever, or food allergies. They often have a family history of asthma or atopic conditions. Examination of patients with asthma is generally normal when the patient is well. A key finding with asthma is a widespread polyphonic expiratory wheeze. This is a whistling sound with various tones, which is what polyphonic refers to. It's widespread throughout the chest and it occurs on expiration when the patient's breathing out. A Tom tip for you. A localized monophonic wheeze is not asthma. The top differentials of a localized wheeze are an inhaled foreign body, a tumor, or a thick sticky mucus plug obstructing the airway. A chest x-ray is the next step. Let's talk about the typical triggers. Certain environmental triggers can exacerbate the symptoms of asthma, and these vary between individuals. They can include infections, nighttime or early morning, exercise, animals, cold, damp or dusty air, and strong emotions. A Tom tip beta blockers, particularly non selective beta blockers such as propranolol and non steroidal anti inflammatory drugs such as ibuprofen or naproxen, can worsen asthma. And these are worth remembering next let's talk about the investigations spirometry is the test used to establish objective measures of the lung function it involves different breathing exercises into a machine that measures volumes of air and flow rate and produces a report an fev1 to fvc ratio of less than 70% suggests obstructive pathology For example, asthma or COPD. Reversibility testing involves using a bronchodilator, for example, salbutamol, before repeating the spirometry test to see if this impacts the results. The NICE guidelines say that a greater than 12% increase in FEV1 on reversibility testing supports a diagnosis of asthma. Fractional exhaled nitric oxide or FENO or FENO measures the concentration of nitric oxide exhaled by the patient. Nitric oxide is a marker of airway inflammation. The test involves a steady exhale for around 10 seconds into a device that measures FENO. NICE say that a level above 40 ppb is a positive test result supporting a diagnosis of asthma. Smoking can lower the pheno result, making the results unreliable. Peak flow variability is measured by keeping a peak flow diary with readings at least twice daily over two to four weeks. The NICE guidelines say a peak flow variability of more than 20 percent is a positive test result supporting a diagnosis of asthma. Direct bronchial challenge testing is the opposite of reversibility testing. Inhaled histamine or metacholine is used to stimulate bronchoconstriction, reducing the FEV1 in patients with asthma. NICE say that a PC20, or provocation concentration of methacholine causing a 20% reduction in FEV1 of 8mg per milliliter or less is a positive result. Next let's talk about making the diagnosis. The NICE guidelines from 2020 recommend initial investigations in patients with suspected asthma of fractional exhaled nitric oxide or phenol and spirometry with bronchodilator reversibility. Where there is diagnostic uncertainty after these initial investigations, the next step is testing the peak flow variability with a peak flow diary. Where there is still uncertainty, the next step is a direct bronchial challenge test with histamine or methacholine. The BTS SIGN guidelines revised in 2019 are similar to these NICE guidelines in terms of a diagnosis. They recommend categorizing patients into high, intermediate, or low probability of asthma based on the clinical features and investigation results, then assessing the response to treatment before making a diagnosis if there's a good response to treatment. The Global Initiative for Asthma, or GINA, guidelines from 2022 are relatively similar on making a diagnosis Other than suggesting that phenotesting is not useful in making or excluding a diagnosis of asthma. Next, let's go through the pharmacology related to asthma. Beta 2 adrenergic receptor agonists are bronchodilators, they open the airways. Adrenaline acts on the smooth muscle of the airway to cause relaxation, stimulating the adrenaline receptors. Dilates the bronchioles and reverses the bronchoconstriction present in asthma Short-acting beta-2 agonists or SABA such as salbutamol work quickly but the effects only last a few hours They're used as reliever or rescue medications during acute worsening of asthma symptoms Giving temporary relief to short-term worsening of symptoms Long-acting beta-2 agonists, or LABA, such as salmeterol, are slower to act but they last longer. Inhaled corticosteroids, shortened to ICS, such as beclomethasone, reduce the inflammation and reactivity of the airways. They're used as maintenance or preventer medications to control symptoms long-term and they're taken regularly even when the patient is well. Long-acting muscarinic antagonists, or LAMA, such as teotropium, work by blocking acetylcholine receptors. Acetylcholine receptors are stimulated by the parasympathetic nervous system and they cause contraction of the bronchial smooth muscles. Blocking these acetylcholine receptors Dilates the bronchioles and reverses the bronchoconstriction present in asthma Leucotrine receptor antagonists such as Montelukast Work by blocking the effects of leukotrines Leucotrines are produced by the immune system and cause inflammation Bronchoconstriction and mucus secretion in the airways Theophylline works by relaxing the bronchial smooth muscle and reducing inflammation. Unfortunately, theophylline has a narrow therapeutic window and it can be toxic in excess, so monitoring plasma theophylline levels is required. Maintenance and reliever therapy, or MART, involves a combination inhaler containing an inhaled corticosteroid and a fast and long-acting beta agonist, for example, Formotorol. Maintenance and reliever therapy replaces all other inhalers and the patient uses this single inhaler both regularly as a preventer and also as a reliever when they have symptoms. So if they're often having symptoms of asthma, they'll be using this single inhaler more regularly as a reliever and this will give them additional doses of inhaled corticosteroids to hopefully get better control of their asthma. So let's talk about the long-term management. The principles of using the stepwise ladder to gradually increase therapy in asthma are to start at the most appropriate step for the severity of symptoms, review at regular intervals based on severity, for example 4-8 to weekly after adjusting treatment, add additional treatments as required to control symptoms completely, aim to achieve no symptoms or exacerbations on the lowest dose and number of treatments, and always check inhaler technique and adherence when reviewing medications. The BTS Sign Guidelines on Asthma from 2019 suggest the following steps, adding drugs at each step starting at step 1 with short-acting beta-2 agonist inhalers, for example salbutamol, as required. Step 2 is adding an inhaled corticosteroid at a low dose, taken regularly. The next step is long-acting beta-2 agonists, for example salmeterol, or using maintenance and reliever therapy, or MART. The next step is adding an increased dose of the inhaled corticosteroid or adding a leukotriene receptor antagonist, for example, montelukast. And the step after that is specialist management, for example, oral corticosteroids. The NICE guidelines on asthma from 2017 suggest the following steps. Starting with a short-acting beta-2 agonist inhaler, for example, salbutamol, as required then adding an inhaled corticosteroid at a low dose taken regularly, then adding a leukotriene receptor antagonist, for example montelukast, taken regularly, then adding a long-acting beta-2 agonist, for example salmeterol, taken regularly, then considering changing to a maintenance and reliever therapy or MART regime, then increasing the inhaled corticosteroid to a moderate dose, then considering a high dose of inhaled corticosteroids or an additional drug such as a long-acting muscarinic antagonist or theophylline and then specialist management, for example, oral corticosteroids. The Global Initiative for Asthma or GINA guidelines from 2022 recommend that all patients should be on an inhaled corticosteroid and should not be managed with a short-acting beta agonist, for example, salbutamol alone. The first step of the ladder for the GINA guidelines is a combination inhaler containing a low-dose inhaled corticosteroid plus formoterol, as required. The second step is maintenance and reliever therapy with the same inhaler. The NICE and the BTS sign guidelines predate the GINA guidelines so they may change. Additional management includes individual written asthma self-management plans, yearly flu jab, yearly asthma review when stable, regular exercise, avoiding smoking including passive smoke and avoiding triggers where possible. Next let's talk about acute exacerbations of asthma. An acute exacerbation of asthma involves a rapid deterioration in symptoms. Any typical asthma triggers such as infection, exercise or cold weather could set off an acute exacerbation. Presenting features of an acute exacerbation are becoming progressively short of breath, use of accessory muscles to help with breathing, raised respiratory rate or tachypnea, Symmetrical expiratory wheeze throughout the lung fields on auscultation and the chest can sound tight on auscultation with reduced air entry throughout. On arterial blood gas analysis, patients initially have a respiratory alkalosis as a raised respiratory rate causes a drop in the carbon dioxide level. They're blowing off lots of carbon dioxide because they're breathing so fast. A normal PCO2 or concentration of carbon dioxide or a low PO2 indicating hypoxia is a concerning sign as it means they're getting tired, indicating life-threatening asthma. Respiratory acidosis due to a high PCO2 is a very bad sign in asthma. Let's talk about grading and acute asthma exacerbation. A moderate exacerbation features a peak flow of 50 to 70% of the best or predicted. A severe exacerbation features a peak flow of 33 to 50% of best or predicted, a respiratory rate above 25%, a heart rate above 110, or a patient unable to complete sentences. And a life threatening exacerbation features a peak flow less than 33%, oxygen saturations less than 92%, a PaO2 less than 8 kPa, becoming tired, confusion or agitation, no wheeze or a silent chest, and hemodynamic instability or shock. In a life-threatening exacerbation the wheeze can disappear when the airways are so tight that there's no entry and this is ominously described as a silent chest and is a sign of life-threatening asthma. Let's talk about the management of an acute asthma exacerbation. Patients with an acute exacerbation of asthma can deteriorate quickly. Acute asthma is potentially life-threatening and treatment should be aggressive and they should be escalated early to seniors and intensive care. Treatment decisions, particularly intravenous aminophylline, salbutamol and magnesium, should involve experienced seniors. Mild exacerbations of asthma may be treated with inhaled beta-2 agonists, for example salbutamol, given via a spacer, quadrupling the dose of their inhaled corticosteroid for up to two weeks, oral steroids, for example prednisolone, if the higher dose of inhaled corticosteroids is inadequate, antibiotics only if there's convincing evidence of bacterial infection, and follow-up within 48 hours. Moderate exacerbations may additionally be treated by considering hospital admission, nebulized beta-2 agonists, for example salbutamol, and steroids, for example oral prednisolone or intravenous hydrocortisone. Severe exacerbations may additionally be treated with hospital admission, oxygen to maintain saturations at 94-98%, to Nebulized ipotropium bromide Intravenous magnesium sulfate Intravenous salbutamol And intravenous aminophiline Life-threatening exacerbations may additionally be treated with Admission to the high dependency unit or intensive care unit And intubation and ventilation The decision to intubate a patient with life-threatening asthma is generally made early as it's very difficult to intubate with severe bronchoconstriction. So the longer you wait and the worse the asthma gets, the more difficult intubation can be. Serum potassium needs to be monitored with salbutamol treatment which causes potassium to be absorbed from the blood into the cells resulting in hypokalemia or a low potassium. Salbutamol also causes tachycardia or a fast heart rate and can cause a lactic acidosis. After an acute exacerbation, management involves optimizing the long-term asthma management, individual written asthma self-management plans considering a rescue pack of oral steroids to start early in a future exacerbation, and the NICE guidelines suggest referral to a specialist after two attacks in 12 months. So thanks for listening to this very long episode on asthma. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. If you like these podcast episodes, consider becoming a member of the Zero to Finals Patreon where you get early access to the podcasts, early access to the videos, as well as access to the question bank and digital flashcards. And I hope you join us for the next episode, where we'll talk about chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD.